Hello, my name is Sarah and I am your chakra coach. On this podcast, we'll be exploring how the chakra system can help guide you to grow your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual wellness, leading you closer to your highest self. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm so glad you're here listening this week. Back in August of 2022, I did a four-part series on the phases of the moon and their related chakras. And during that series, episodes 134 to 137, if you want to go back and listen, during that series, I talked a little about how the menstrual cycle is sometimes called the moon cycle and how it's linked to the phases of the moon, energy balance, chakras, and our overall health. I also promised during that series that I would have an expert come on and talk about that in more detail. So today, I am so happy to introduce you to Andrea Klassen, an Ayurvedic wellness practitioner specializing in seasonal changes, doshas, and the mind-body-soul approach to health. Andrea Klassen is an Ayurvedic practitioner, a registered yoga teacher, 500-hour yoga teacher, and wild woman circle leader who has been in the wellness space since 2007. Her mission is to help you start to live a cyclical life by living in alignment with your menstrual cycle and the seasons. She does this by teaching her peaceful power practices centered around movement, mindfulness, and mother nature through an Ayurvedic lens. You can hear more from Andrea on her Peaceful Power podcast, where she aims to deliver actionable takeaways for you to live a more holistic lifestyle. I was a guest on that show recently, which will be coming out next year, so you can listen to me uh, there too if you want to. Before we get to the interview, I do want to thank those of you who asked about the manifestation courses that are coming available, as well as the chakra balancing for weight loss course that'll be available in January. These are really a a labor of love on my part, and getting them up online and widely available has been a goal of mine for a while. I've been doing them live for some time with really great results, and now, uh, now pretty much anyone who wants to go through the work can. There's a seven-day manifesting challenge and a seven-week manifesting course, and the weight loss course is seven weeks as well. If you're really interested in growing along your spiritual path, I invite you to take a look at them to see if they're a good fit for you. Yes, even the weight loss one, because while it seems like it would only be focused on your physical body, that, that couldn't be farther from the truth. We will look at your emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being primarily, in fact. Very little regarding food or exercise or all those traditional things will even be discussed. It's a, it's a really different approach. So if you're interested in that, just let me know. Links to info on the courses can be found in the show notes. So just check those out. And now I bring you Andrea Klassen and an Ayurvedic approach to your moon cycle. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Andrea. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Sarah. I am so excited to chat with you today. Yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure. Um, First, how are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. I'm like trying to fight off a cold, I feel. So which is that time of the year? <laughs> it, uh, oh, absolutely. I think it's the time of the year. But um, 
you have all the tools that you need to do that. Yes. So as I mentioned in the intro, you are an Ayurveda expert, essentially, and you do a lot of work with uh, seasonal changes and the doshas, which we've talked a little bit about on this podcast before. But today, I'm so excited because I have a lot of female and female identifying listeners. Um, a lot of my listeners menstruate. You know, they're people that menstruate. And we're going to talk about what that means and how that relates to chakras and Ayurveda. But before we get into all of that, I would love to just know a little bit about you. How did you get into this work and why? Why this work? Yeah. So Ayurveda kind of came into my life in the jungles of Costa Rica, as one as does. all the best things do. <laughs> so I was on a yoga retreat and the teacher was like, oh, you're a pitta. And I was like, what is this pitta that you speak of? And at the time I wasn't a yoga teacher, so I had no clue what that even meant. And so I went back and I was like, well, I want to do a yoga teacher training because obviously that's where you learn about Ayurveda. If you've taken a yoga teacher training, you know, it's like three hours. (laughs) So of your 200 hours, it's three hours of Ayurveda. And they're like, there's Vata, Dosha and Kapha. Yeah. Um, Vata, Pitta and Kapha. All right. Have a good day. Oh yeah. What are we going to do with this information? I have no idea. So I was like, okay, there's got to be more programs out there. And so I happened to stumble upon Kate Stillman and I took hers a year, um, her year program. And it happened to be, I took that when I was postpartum. So I went through that 200 hour training. I actually got pregnant with my son. And then um, because I was also coming from that personal training background, I was like, you're going to bounce back. It's going to be so great. Da, 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 as one does, which is not helpful whatsoever during pregnancy. No, and not true. No. Just because you're a trainer does not mean that is not at all correlated. Uh, no, so not like, even a little. <laughs> no. And so I went in like, okay, what I, I just did not feel like myself. And I, I didn't, I mean, knowing what I know now, so I'm actually currently pregnant as we're doing this. So my, my experience or what I'm hoping to have is going to be completely different. I'm going to set myself up differently because of Ayurveda, but going through that program, I realized, okay, I did not make any of those like emotional shifts that you need to make. I did not look at like the mind, body, soul connection. It was just, you know, body. Cause that's what the West is what we're all about is the body. And I completely forgot the other two. So I just felt a little lost, um, a little, just kind of probably a little postpartum depression and anxiety going on. And so what ended up happening is I took this program. I was like, okay, I want more. And so then I took, um, Katie Silcox, her two-year program, um, and became an Ayurvedic wellness counselor. And so I, um, you know, just kind of dove deeper, gosh, I don't know, 2019, I think I graduated from that. I was with her first class. And so within that, they really, you know, kind of preached, what is your niche? What are, what area do you want to focus on? And for me being the personal trainer, I always focus on women's health. And so I'm like, well, let's dive deeper. And now that I'm very intrigued with the menstrual cycle from learning from it, from the Ayurvedic angle, I really dove deep into that because pre-postpartum has been one of my specialties for 15 years. And this just seemed like a natural extension onto that. And so that's kind of how I stumbled upon that area. And how is it different when we approach the menstrual cycle from an Ayurvedic perspective, as opposed to a traditional Western perspective, other than that, we only look at the body and Ayurveda has more of a broad holistic approach. Will you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So Ayurveda really looks at that, that all of those connections and we're not, we can't separate those pieces out. And the other thing I really like about Ayurveda is they get to the root cause. So often in the West, um, there's kind of two takes, like there's a lot of great people in the West, you know, trying to push the narrative forward. You know, you don't need a Tylenol. You don't need to be taking all of the ibuprofens. Cramps are not normal, but Ayurveda really looks at like, okay, let's get to that root cause. Why are you having cramps? And they have protocols for each dosha based on your menstrual cycle of what's going on. Right. So they have a deeper understanding. Okay. I'm sorry. I just wanted to follow up because cramps might be not normal per se, but they are normal in that uh, the bulk of women that I know or menstruating people that I know do experience them at least sometimes. So while they're not necessary, perhaps they are very common. And so the idea is that if we work Ayurvedically and holistically, we can avoid some of these things that we just think are par for the course. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yep. And so a lot of it is cleaning up diet and lifestyle and looking at what are your triggers and everyone's a little bit different. And depending on, again, what's going on, I'm looking at it from a dosha imbalance perspective. And so it's looking a little bit deeper than um, per se the West, the West will give a, you know, here are your 10 steps 
And then it's not necessarily specific to your needs. So me and you could have the same exact thing going on, but what's underneath for you might not be what's underneath for me. And so that's what Ayurveda really digs in on. And so my doctor and your doctor might both say, eh, just take some Motrin or whatnot and you'll feel better. Whereas Ayurveda says, well, Andrea, you're a Pitta. This is how you will manage this situation. And I'm a Vata. And so I need a completely different approach. And are you saying that neither of those approaches are ibuprofen? Right. (laughs) (laughs) That is correct. Tell me more. Yes. So a lot of it can look at, so if we look at like a Vata cycle, so if we kind of break it down, I'll break it down into the doshas and what that might present as in your cycle. please. So that vata, if we think about the vata dosha, it's that air ether element. And so these can be like your menstrual pain where, oh man, it's in my low back today. Then the next day you're like, oh, it's in my stomach. And then it moves down to the uterus. It just kind of is constantly moving. And if we think about it, we're like, oh, of course, the wind element, it's pushing it around our body. And that's kind of that vata pain. And so vata cycles can end up on the shorter side. So the last couple of years, I had so many people coming to me who are like, what, what the heck I'm getting my period every like 22 days periods got so much shorter condensed. And so that's often a Vata imbalance, which makes sense because we had no idea there was so much, you know, stress and anxiety, which are Vata triggers going on. And that was showing up in people's periods because we were just getting periods just twice a month. And people are just like frustrated because if you do have pain, you have a lot of pain all month long. That's not fun to live with. No. And so that's what I was seeing a lot of um, the last few years that pitta cycle, pitta's um, is the fire element. And so that's kind of the burning inflammation. And so that's kind of where if we think about like the burning pain, or you might just have this like hot, like your blowback could be just, just burning like with heat. That's what I tend to get to. If I'm like bent over the sink and I'm, you know, I'll occasionally stand up and I'm like, oh man, that just, it just burns. That's like a pitta burn. And so if we think about that during our menstrual phase, that's what the cramps kind of feel like. It's just overwhelmingly heat and just kind of that fire and pitta cycles tend to be um, lengthwise is about on average 27 to 28 days so you're not going to pick up like oh yeah it's for sure pitta because typically it's going to be in that normal normal in quotations um, range and so that's a little bit trickier to pick up on again often I'm looking at what does the heat look like what does your luteal phase look like the phase that comes right before you bleed that's where I can pick up a lot of the pitta symptoms the anger, the um, quick to judge, a lot of those kind of um, the the things that we don't like, the PMS symptoms, those can be related to pitta. Not always, but a lot of them are. And usually it means we have a pitta imbalance going on in the body. Interesting. And kapha, what do their cycles look like? So kapha is the long cycle. So this one is like 30 days, which I've also seen um, kind of more of. And so this is the one where Like they might have, they might not bleed until they're like, man, it's been 35 days. I still haven't had my bleed. That's like a kapha. They also can be ones who have a little bit larger clots. So when I'm looking at that, if they have like quarter size clots, like those are, we're getting big clots. We're thinking heavy energy because they're the earth and the more of the stagnant water energy. And so that's what it's coming out as during your period and during your bleed, you're having those heavier elements. It could be more mucusy. And so that's often what a kapha bleed will look like and a little bit longer um, of a cycle. That's really interesting. Uh, and I I do think that there's a nice relationship to the chakras there as well, right? Because all of our chakras have an elemental association as well. Um, do you find, so if we have the vata dosha is air and ether, and that's kind of heart and throat chakras, do you find that those people also tend to have an imbalance in those energy centers, or they're just very dominant in that area. How does, how does that work? What's the connection? Oh yeah. Um, a lot of that. So that's kind of like the mind, body, soul approach is just looking at like, typically my vatas that come to me, they're a little bit scattered. They're a little bit ungrounded and you can kind of, you're like, please stop talking about me. Are we focused? (laughs) Like, where are we? We're over here. We're over here. Now we're over here. Um, And they're the friend who might change topics every five minutes. You're like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you leave feeling drained. If you're a grounded person, you're like, whoa, that was a lot. And so that's kind of what that, that vata, which would be, you know, that throat chakra, you might just be kind of just spewing onto people. And that can be that vata imbalance where people, we tend to talk really quick and da 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 da. 
Like I had a business coach that she, I had to record because she talks so fast and that's her natural tendencies. She's very Pitta in nature, but very Vata vocally. And you just had to keep up because it was, we were moving and she was not coming back. And so that's just something to kind of pay attention to too, of like, Ooh, we might have a couple things going on here. Um, and then in Ayurveda, we always treat Vata first. So if I did see that in someone, oh. I'd be like, okay, you treat Vata first. Interesting. I did not know that. Um, so when you say things like Vata imbalance, I have had an Ayurvedic consult and they said, you know, you're primarily Vata dosha. Okay, great. Does that also mean that I'm Vata imbalanced or that I'm imbalanced in the other ones? I get a little confused, right? Yeah. If my nature is Vata, it's not that surprising that I would have these characteristics. If your nature is Pitta, that's not surprising that you would have these characteristics. That doesn't necessarily mean we're imbalanced. Does it mean that we're, uh, that we need to focus on other parts? Like my consult basically was like, you need to eat grounding, warming foods. So I was like, okay, I'm going to need more information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. I'm, so I'm primarily again, Pitta Prakriti, we call it. So that's the dosha you were born. Then we have the Vikriti, which is the dosha that's imbalanced. I don't tend to go out in Pitta too much anymore. I've been there, done that. I don't like it when I feel that because for me, and often for many pittas, it presents as burnt out, overwhelmed. Um, you've just hit the floor. You're like, I can't, I can't move. Like I've just pushed it too far. Typically it's in work. Like, cause pitta years in our lifetime are 18 through about retirement age. So we're in the pitta years. A lot of us probably listening are, cause that's a big chunk of our lifetime. And so that's where we can be prone to that pitta imbalance. Now, I know when I get close to that edge, I hate it. Vata though, on the other hand, I don't mind being imbalanced in. And Vata tends to be the one that I will go out in more. So that's my Vikriti. So let's say like, I feel pretty balanced right now. So I know my Vata's in check, but if my Vata wasn't, then I'm looking at, okay, what are my Vata pacifying practices? So just as you had said, the grounding food. So eliminate raw salads, eliminate um, you know, your, your carrots from the fridge with dip. So those are all cooling and drying foods, which can lead to constipation. It can lead, it's too much light and airiness. And if we think about air ether elements, we want to do the opposite in Ayurveda to heal. So we, that's why they suggest the grounding and more cooked foods. Um, other practices for that vata to kind of keep it grounded is a meditation practice. What can you do in the morning to kind of have that same routine, which vatas usually run from? They're like, no, 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 I did not like routines. So that's where I'm like, okay, no, but we have to have kind of a skeleton routine of what you're going to do. So it keeps that vata happy. And so, and pittas can get overly routined. And so they, they need to have that self-care element because they're the ones who are like to-do list, check, check, check. Um, and they will overly go into it where they're burnt out and overwhelmed and they throw the routine away because they did too much. And kaphas just need to have movement. So as long as they get some movement into their day, kaphas are usually pretty good with routines. And so these practices that you're talking about for the various doshas, are these the kinds of things that we can do when we are experiencing symptoms from our menstrual cycles that we don't want to experience? Yes. Yep. So when I, when I look at the menstrual cycle, so if that's the main thing that people are coming to me from, like, okay, this is what I want to treat. I'm going to look at your menstrual cycle, but I'm also looking at you overall as a whole. So maybe your menstrual cycle is presenting a kapha imbalance, but again, maybe you have a vata imbalance. So I'm going to actually treat vata because again, vata pushes the other two elements. So if there's a vata imbalance, it's again, the wind element. And we also have a kapha. Well, the vata can push the kapha and then the kapha again is that stagnant energy. It can get stuck. And so now we have that stuck energy because the vata pushed it into, let's say the lungs. So let, then now we're like, Ugh, now I'm sick with some crap because the vata element came in, pushed it. Now the kapha is stuck in the lungs because that's where the kapha lives in the body. And so now, you know, maybe you're sick. And so that's kind of what you're looking at. It's like, okay, I don't want, I don't want to treat um, the kapha first because the vata's wind element is just going to be pushing around my body and just stoking up other things that could be going on. And so we treat that vata first. And usually once you've treated that, sometimes you're like, actually, I don't really have that kapha imbalance. It was actually this vata that was doing all of the, the chaos in the body. Right. Well, the same thing holds true with chakra work, right? A lot of times, yes. a lot of, well, and we get real stuck on like, oh, I feel like this is my main problem. And we're actually treating a secondary imbalance. Yes. And so when you can get to the primary imbalance, 
the thing that is bothering you, the expression, the presentation of your symptoms uh, resolves itself. I find that to be true a lot. People, and I have said this before on the podcast, you know, everybody's like, oh, my root chakra is out of balance. I'm like, but is it or is it your throat chakra or is it your crown chakra? And should we be changing the focus of the work? And I think that's very related to what you're just saying, right? We want to be looking underneath Mm -hmm. for the root of what's happening rather than just constantly treating the symptoms, which I think is what Western medicine tends to to do and what you're trying to get away from in your Ayurvedic work. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah. Yeah. So like, just if if you go to the doctor, like, oh, I have this thing for my lungs Mm -hmm. and then they're going to treat the thing for the lungs. And really it's not the lungs. So I actually just had a great example of this with a client. She went to the doctor, was having some um, throat issues. And so I told her, I was like, she's like, what would you recommend Ayurvedically? So I told her, I'm like, gargle salt water with some turmeric, um, you know, and just hang out with that. Make sure you blow your nose, do some steams. Um, and then she was like, okay. So she was doing that. She went to the doctor a couple days and she, the doctor is like, here's some antibiotics. Well, she took them. They did nothing for her. And so she's now like, well, now I'm mad at myself because now I've taken antibiotics that did nothing. And that didn't get to at all any of my symptoms. I still have everything going on. And so that's often what we see um, in the West is sometimes they're like, I'm not really sure what's going on. And then they'll throw something at you and then maybe it works, maybe not. Maybe it does not. I mean, again, antibiotics for gut health isn't great. And so now you're like, crap, now I got to start over from this and rebuild from there, which is something that takes time and um, and that's, that's kind of where Ayurveda shines is they're like, okay, well, here's what you're seeing and is presenting as, but what is your lifestyle looking at? Cause right now you told me like, this would just be an example with her. I'm like, okay, we've got a lot going on. Like you're doing, you know, tons of work projects that you don't necessarily need to be doing. Can we space those out? Can you give yourself rest, which that's not her strong suit. So resting might be the thing that you need, but you're like, no, 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 I can't, especially pittas. Pittas hate to rest but Pitt does need that rest. Like if you're like yesterday. So when I felt like this stuff coming on myself, I'm like, okay, I got to just rest. I'm like, I'm just going to go ahead and throw on some TV, which I don't usually do and <laughs> watch, <laughs> sit on the couch and watch. And sometimes that's the medicine that you need versus like, okay, I have a few more work projects I want to get done. No, like put those on pause if possible, which most of the time you can, and then just give your body what it's asking for. I totally relate to that because although my primary dosha is vata, I tend to imbalance out in the pitta where Mm -hmm. I like make a huge checklist and I work and I work and I work until I'm absolutely burnt into the ground. And I'm just like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Why do I feel so terrible? Mm -hmm. And that's why, because I've completely imbalanced out in my pitta dosha and I'm not taking care of myself total side story way back. And I want to say it was 2005 or 2006. I got sick and my family called it the death cold because it was presented as a like cold symptoms for nine months. I had x-rays of my lungs. I had, uh, they checked me for pneumonia all the time. I took uh, lung capacity tests and they were, the doctors literally wouldn't, first of all, didn't believe me when I told them they would say things like oh it feels worse when you exercise and I would say no that's the only time I feel good is when I'm exercising and they would say okay well you need to start an exercise program I was like okay (laughs) that's I I I do that for a living right I exercise for a living and so I just there was no they wanted it to be a certain thing and therefore couldn't hear my symptoms for months, I did this. Oh, it was terrible. I was sore. I was coughing. I was sick all the time. I finally, finally, Andrea, nine months, nine months, I went through all of this. And I had a friend who was an herbalist and she did a full sort of eval of me, just like a conversation. And she made her own pills, like her own herbal supplements. And she made me some and literally two weeks of that. I have no idea what they were. I don't know what she was doing. I don't care, particularly two weeks That's amazing. after starting those supplements and because she was looking at like the whole person and she, it wasn't just these supplemental pills. It was like, you would need, also need to do this in the afternoon. I would drink water with cayenne pepper and a variety of 
things that were much more holistic that addressed my needs as a human, as opposed to just, well, let's look at your lungs as if my lungs are a separate part of my body that could be removed and don't impact everything else. Um, so honestly, 2005, 2006, whenever that was, I became a hard believer in the fact that we have, this is not a collection of parts that make a whole. It's, it's just a whole with no parts, right? And I think, I mean, you said that earlier, we can't separate these things and the mind and the spirit are inseparable from the body. And I think Ayurveda as a practice really helps. And I'm not saying, I think Western medicine is terrific for treating trauma, Yeah. right? Like yeah. if I, if I get in a car accident, I don't want to hear that I need grounding foods, yeah. right? Like <laughs> that's, that's no. in that moment, yeah. that's not helpful. So I think that both disciplines have their place. Um, but maybe we just need to be working a little bit more holistically from the start instead of waiting until we have symptoms. What do you think about that as a long speech that I just gave you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that kind of made me think of too, um, like coming back to the menstrual cycle, this mm -hmm. is also where, okay, like we have, I have people who have cramps and then I'm looking at their lifestyle and I'm like, okay, it's too intense. So if you have that pitta, they're showing as a pitta imbalance and where you're having those cramps and you're having a coffee to start your day, you're having a wine to end your day every single day. And then in between it's work. And then you get home, put kids to sleep, work again. Like that's a lot of pitta going on. And so then when you have intense cramps and you're like, I can't function, I don't have time for rest. I don't have space for that maybe they're working on the weekends or they're running kids around on the weekends. Like that's where we have to look at those lifestyles, which a lot of us have, you know, if we're like, okay, peel back the layers here. A lot of, a lot of people who have a menstrual cycle, we are on the go, go, go. And then we don't realize like, okay, we're actually making this worse. And so that's where I like to always say when you're bleeding, rest is best. And that is where people are like, what you want me to do nothing. I'm like, no, no, no. Because the modern lifestyle, yes, we are going to have to go to work when you're bleeding. But can you do tasks that are very minimal? Like you're not going to have to, you know, work after work. Can we do something very simple? And then working out, you should just rest, you know, especially those first couple of days of your bleed. And that again can be very triggering for people. And I've had people like online when I, when I post like to rest during your bleed and it was a male who was fighting oh, me. I'm pretty sure he was a trainer and I'm like, no, he's like, it's so good for you to get blood flow. And I was like, okay, first of all, you don't even have a menstrual cycle. So you're talking to clients who are telling you that they don't feel great and you're forcing them because it's going to make them feel great. And then they leave not feeling better. And I'm like, this whole, this is a cycle that I see. And that's, you're not listening to your client, first of all. And second of all, I'm like, you, this is not okay. There are studies, again, this is where the Ayurveda side and the Eastern medicine versus the Western looks at it differently. I'm like, Ayurveda, especially those heavy bleeds, your body is doing a lot at this time. We don't need to tax it because working out does tax the body. And so if you have cramps and you like suddenly, let's say one month, you're like, yes, no cramps. I feel really good. And you work out during those bleeding phases. And then the next cycle, all of a sudden you're like, dang it, my cramps are back. Well, we got to look, what did you do that last cycle? Because often what presents is the cycle or two behind. And so when we make oh, those shifts, that's why for in Ayurveda too, to prepare for pregnancy, which is something I did this time was it's a three to six month process. And so I took the three months because your egg releases three months prior to when you actually are going to, you know, if this is going to be the one, the follicle that grows is actually came three months ago. So this is why they suggest the three to six months. I know this is stuff we don't know when people yeah, don't teach this is year that we're way out of my depth now, but go yes, on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so that's where, and so that's why they suggest the three to six months. So if six months, especially if you have a diet and lifestyle, that's really maybe imbalanced that six months, if you're pretty good, you know, taking those three months, you know, even myself, I was like, okay, I'm removing all alcohol. I'm cutting down coffee to just one cup a day. Um, I cleaned up diet completely just because I'm like, okay, these are the three months I know I want to make sure the follicle that's growing is going to be great when we are ready to have a baby. And so those are some of the things that we're thinking about now, if you don't want a baby, which <laughs> that is totally fair, you're still thinking, okay, what did I do those, you know, one to three months prior? Cause that's what's showing up on this cycle. It's not like, what did I do yesterday? Or what did I do last week? It is a whole, you know, we got to look back. 
And so that's where I'm always uh, an advocate of being your own health detective and tracking these things. Mm. So maybe there was a month and often this can happen where people are like, oh man, I had, I was out. It was, um, you know, I had a lot more alcohol because maybe in the summer months, especially people are like, I have things going on. And then they reflect like, oh my gosh, yeah, my cramps were really bad that month because I did go out. I wasn't on routine. I was eating crappy food and all of that will affect the menstrual cycle. So my friends and I about we talk about all the time how like every three or four months we have like a miserable cycle and we call it our super periods <laughs> not not because they're super but because they're just all of the parts of them mostly the parts we don't like are just really bad and you're saying if I'm understanding right that it isn't that month that's the problem it's possibly what we did three two three four months back so when we start noticing that we might want to like literally go back in our calendars and say oh three months ago uh around this time or whatever look at my schedule and that might be why we're having these super periods yeah and so if you have if you know you have a busy month coming up you're just kind of like how can i um pad my my weeks. So I have some self-care built in. Cause I do have some clients who are like, who know going in, okay, work, if they work a corporate job, like I have um, one gal who has people coming in and she's going to be very stressful next week. And so I'm like, okay, how can we pad the rest of your month? So it's, you know, a little bit more easeful. So that way that week isn't going to hopefully not throw off your entire cycle. So some people it will, you'll have to reflect back a few months. Some people it's an immediate month. Like, so for me, I'm usually, I'm, I'm immediate month. Like I kind of know I can reflect back and obviously I don't have a cycle right now, but yeah. when I, the last few that I had, I was like, great, I had no issues. But then for three months I was preparing my body for pregnancy. And so I cleaned it up. So I, everything that maybe was my triggers, I got rid of. And so that's where you can kind of uh, reflect on that. And then there are other months where I was like, okay, if I had more coffee, if I had more wine, if I um, ate out more than I usually do. Cause I don't eat out a ton. I'm like, all of that I can see because my body is like, I don't, I don't like this. You know, it, it will show up in maybe for myself, milder cramps because I've worked on getting those to be pretty much no cramps, no PMS. So for me, they present lighter because I've done the work leading up to it. If that makes sense. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, sometimes, sometimes people are like, um, like this one gal with the, with the people coming next week for her work, like that's where we've been working at the last few months. But what happened, she started going back into the office again. Mm. And so those are things where little things like that can be little triggers where you're like, okay, it's just more stress on the body. Cause she has to sit in traffic now for two hours, you know, one way, an hour each way to and from work, um, still has kiddos, still has the bedtimes to, you know, take care of, still has to cook and, that's where we can start to see like little things like that can be the little thing that's affecting us. And then we have to look at, okay, so I can't like for her, she's like, well, I can't not go to work, but how can I pad my day? So I'm not going to be um, just feeling it every month. Cause then she's like, I almost have to call in sick cause it hurts so bad. Mm -hmm. So then you're yeah. like, you're losing stuff in the back end. So that's kind of how I look at the menstrual cycle. I'm like, okay, what can we do? to pad around it because I'm very sensitive. Like I run my own business. So it's easier for me to do these practices versus someone who has a corporate where you, you can't necessarily say like, Hey, I would like just to take a day off to rest. <laughs> I not, know. I just said that happen. in my moon cycle series. I was like, you know, during the new moon, we should really all just be like resting, but I've never known a company that was like, Oh, it's the new moon. Everybody take a day off. Right. Or we're just going to have a chill, relaxed day. Right. Um, these three days around the new, like, I just, that, that's not, a thing. So I think you've mentioned a couple of these uh, triggers, coffee, alcohol, stress, uh, processed foods. Would you say those are the primary triggers for these kinds of things in our, our modern world? And are there others or are there ones that are specific to the doshas? Yeah, those are the main ones that I'm looking at. And often there's one that people are like, yep, that's, that's mine. You know, whether it be coffee and they might be having three to four cups a day. Like when I was training in person still, I'm like, hmm, this makes sense. Cause all of a sudden when I started teaching a 6 a.m. boot camp three days a week, I was living on coffee because it was free coffee at the country club that I was at. And so it was just coffee after coffee. I was like, oh, this makes sense. Plus, now this is also where the workouts come into play. When I had to teach 
when I was bleeding, trying to teach a hit class, it's just wow. like opposite energy. I feel like, give me my blanket. I want a cocoon. I want to sleep in. And now I have to be out here jumping around, getting excited. So people who don't like to work out can do this hit workout. Um, I've also sent people home from that hit workout because I'm like, you, you should not be going to hit if at 6am, if you haven't slept, you know, if you are struggling with men's severe menstrual pain, I'm like this, you shouldn't be here. Like you had one hour of sleep. Right. Well, hit maybe it's not the, the workout for you. Maybe a, a gentle yoga class would be a great choice. I think there are ways to continue to move your body and continue in to engage. It's just finding the right thing. Well, this is just on a day. It's not like forever. Like it was just like the one night is right. what I would say. Yeah. And then even then I would tell her, just don't do, you don't need to do anything. So Ayurveda again, looks at working out completely different from the West. And this was one that I fought. Um, and I still have like battles. I'm like, okay, it just has a completely different approach to, to wellness. And I've seen it work when I'm like, okay, yes, we, we kind of go a little hard and a little extreme in the West. And what tends to happen, especially if you have a cycle, you are going hard for two weeks and then all of a sudden you stumble and you're like, what happened to the routine? Then I'm like, well, where are you at in your cycle? Because if you're in the follicular ovulation phase, yeah, we're going hard. We have that motivation. We have the energy. Well, shoot. Now we hit mid luteal. There goes all of our energy. We don't want to get out of bed. We don't want to get up and do the class because we're tired. Our bodies are tired. So instead of just scrapping the routine, you're like, okay, uh -huh. what can I do instead? And so, you know, let's do more just strength focus. We don't need to be going to the, the hit class or the orange theories, you know, let's just do a strictly just basic strength class. We don't have to get the heart rate up. We can just do our, you know, basic lifting, which seems to be, it's not in vogue. I feel yeah, not right now, right now. <laughs> but I'm like, I still, I'm like, I tell my clients, I'm like, that's still what I do is I just do basic strength training. I'm like, I don't do hit classes anymore um, based on what I know from the menstrual cycle and just knowing how the studies have shown it's not great for people who have a menstrual cycle. Right. Um, and I think it's various time in their lives. Like right now I'm in a time in my life where a really hard hit class like that makes no sense for my body, just based on my age and my history and what, you know, the things that are going to happen. So I'm with you, Andrea, I'm just back to some solid strength training, uh, doing my yoga. So, yeah. Yeah. And in menopause, um, you can go back to the hit because the studies have shown menopausal women have a better time with that, which makes sense because the hormones are leveled off more like a male's hormones, where that's what the studies are always done. They're always done on male's hormones versus women's. Right. And so that's also the caveat when you read the studies, even about diets, you have to really be like, okay, who is, who are these st studies done on and what ages were they? And did they account the menstrual cycle? Was that into these studies? And often it's not. And often what yeah. we're finding is. I'm going to go with no, they did not ask the women where they were in their menstrual cycle or the people who menstruate, where are you in your cycle? So. Yeah. And so often that's where we get, um, we get lost in the weeds because we think like, this is it. And then we get frustrated instead of just being like, Hey, let me just trust, like trust my intuition. And my body's telling me to slow down. Let me just slow down for a week or two rather than trying to keep up. And the same thing, what I'm finding with ovulation, um, cause I have a lot of people with endometriosis that will come in PCOS and what in, in theory that we should be feeling our best, we should be feeling really great. But if you have endo, if you have PCOS, sometimes you don't feel great and it hurts to ovulate. And so take the day off to rest. And so that's also the caveat. And that's why I'm all about listening to the body and really trusting your own intuition, which I think Ayurveda is a beautiful side of. Um, rather than just saying, okay, well, I should, in theory, in quotations, feel great at this time, but I don't. So rest, you can rest a day or two. Yeah. We tend to gaslight ourselves. I should be feeling good. I don't feel good. I must actually be making up that I'm not feeling good. I hear that all the time. Oh, I don't, I, I don't feel well. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm not sick. Like, well, okay. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to make an excuse for rest. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that is mostly just advice that I'm giving myself, not anybody yeah. else. Yes. No, I mean, I think that's great <laughs> advice for the, for the pitches out there as well, who like to just go, go, go. And I've told clients before, I'm like, nope, I think it's a yoga day. You know, we just need to chill and relax a little bit and tune back in. Every day is yoga day. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question yeah. about relating the menstrual cycle to the moon cycle. I know that 
People use the term moon cycle to relate to menstrual cycle. Is there an actual relationship between the phases of the moon and the phases of our body? And if so, how does that work? So the lunar cycle and the menstrual cycle, back in the day, women tended to bleed on the new moon. Now, you also had your seers, your healers, your medicine women, they tended to bleed on the full moon. And so during those times, they would gather in the tent. Now, each group on their collective bleed time, they would gather in the tent. So like your healers, your, your seers, they would gather in and say, here's the energy that we're feeling is coming this next month. And then the rest of the people would gather in that new moon and bleed together. Now, because of modern technology, often we're not bleeding in sync with the moon. So still the bleeding phase and the new moon are kind of tied together where you go in that inward phase. Um, and then you're gonna have your waxing moon and that's gonna be the follicular phase. And so that's when that energy is rising. And then again, the ovulation and the full moon are usually tied together. And then the um, luteal phase and the waning moon are tied together where we're gonna again, start to dip back down, feel that energy go down. Now, if you want to sink so sometimes you'll sink either with a full or the new moon. Now this is again, caveat, because they're not quite in sync, depends on how long your menstrual cycle is. So for me, I was 27 days, like that was, that was it. And it's not quite synced with the lunar cycle. And so that can also slightly shift by a day or two. If you wanna sync up with the new moon, for example, what you'd wanna do is you would wanna shut off screens, TV, blue light, you wanna have that off a couple hours before bed. And then you want to go stand outside and look up at the moon for this can take months. So it just depends on where you're at. And then just to kind of sync up your bleed with the moon and that I have, I've personally done that and it, it has worked now for myself, my body just kind of swings back around to the full moon. So I, my body prefers to bleed on the full moon, which actually works great because I run new moon circles. And so I'd rather have my ovulation at that time because then I, it's easier for me to lead a circle. So that's how my body tends to flip to that full moon. And so you'll have, you'll kind of notice like you might try to force it into one, but your body's going to do what it's just, what it's going to do. And so it might bounce back around. It's like, no, I prefer this bleeding time. Now with that being said, so then people are like, okay, what happens if I'm bleeding on the, you know, full moon and then it's, it's opposites. Well, I always follow your bleed. So I always, your body, it's typically where people are um, more in tune with. You know, if like for right now, since I'm not bleeding, since I'm pregnant, the moon can be my guide. So I can look at the moon and I can mm -hmm. tune into the energies that way. Um, and the same thing with menopausal women, people who, or anyone who just wants to kind of tune into the moon, you can do that. And that can be your guide for like, okay, here's the week where I'm going to take a rest. Here's the week where I'm going to really go for it. And so you can kind of use the lunar phases as your guide. And so that's usually what I tell people is often we're tied, we're more in sync with our own bodies, which makes sense. Well, we might not know that we're more in sync with it. So, I mean, cause that's a whole nother conversation of like tuning into our bodies versus tuning out. Um, but usually people feel they're more in sync with like, yeah, I want to rest during my bleed. I feel that energy during the ovulation, no matter what the moon's doing. That's really interesting. And I do think that, uh, I mean, that syncs right up with the lunar cycle and the tides and things like that and how we feel during those moon times and again nobody is that concerned about the moon in this modern world and being sure that you're in sync with it and so i think we have to kind of take responsibility if that's something we want to do to look at the lunar cycle look at our bodies really take a moment how do i feel on the new moon how do i feel during the waxing moon and i do think it's important to note that it's not better or worse, or you're not doing it right. If you bleed a certain time or don't bleed a certain time, right? Like your body, as my friend says, uh, I am the CEO of this body, right? Like you and your body are the expert at you and your body. So it's not, there's not a right or wrong time. Um, but I do think it's really fascinating how closely they sync up. Again, another side note, I read something several months ago that said the first known attempt at a calendar the first known attempt at a calendar had a 28 day cycle 28 day cycle and for the longest time everyone's like oh that's so interesting the first man to make a calendar had you know had the moon in mind and 
somebody wrote like it was a woman who said i don't think it was a man <laughs> she's like she said just what human being at that time would have needed a 28 day calendar like the first calendar likely was created by a woman trying to track menstrual cycles for herself for the other women in her group and i just thought that was so interesting because of course researchers were like oh look at this look at this calendar this man made and she finally a woman was like i think maybe i think maybe it had more to do with women and their bodies i just thought that was really interesting yeah i mean yeah and the same thing with the seasons the seasons can be tied or if we think about the seasons with the menstrual cycle because it's the same thing like fall season we're thinking luteal releasing mm-hmm. letting go and then winter the bleeding phase we're going in getting quiet stillness and then spring is that follicular like yes I'm feeling that energy and then ovulation the summer where we're really just going for it and then they're all tied to the doshas because the doshas each dosha is in a phase of the menstrual cycle as well as well as with the season and so that's where if you kind of know like so if we come back to that fall season that luteal phase like okay that's the ovulation phase then we're coming into that bleed phase which actually there's a bata phase during the winter and then we're coming into the follicular or spring which is kapha and then back to summer, that ovulation, which is pitta again. And so that's where you're like, well, it's a big chunk of the menstrual cycle is pitta. But of course, what happens, people, again, they get hot, like I've, especially in the luteal phase, the heat is rising in the body, you're burning more calories, like that is actually going on, this furnace going. And so that's where, if you can kind of think of that too, like, okay, like, how can I keep myself in balance during each of those phases? And that's why I'm a big fan of just knowing what phase you're in to begin with, Day one of your cycle, that's the bleed. That's the first day that your full bleed is happening. So if people are like, how do I start? That's where you can start is day one is that first day of your full bleed. And then I would just track. I personally deleted all the apps after everything that went on last year. For sure. And I mean, even the one that I thought that I had that should have been fine and I was paying for, I clicked on the data just to kind of see, and it went to an error page. So I was like, okay. Well, that's not good. No. And so I'm like, okay, scrap that. So I'm an old school paper pencil. And if you go online, you can easily just, you know, you know, search or uh, just search for a cycle chart. And then there's ones that you can just color in. And I used, I started that. That's how a lot of the teachers, you know, teach us how to start is paper pencil. And then I just used a red uh, marker and did the days I bled in red. And then the rest were in different colors. And then you can even start to, you know, play with, okay, green is going to be the follicular phase. Pink is ovulation. Just so you can kind of really start to see what your cycle is doing. And that takes practice um, because if you're like, how do I know where I'm at? Um, It is a little bit of practice just to kind of learn each of the phases. But typically that luteal phase should be the longest phase of your cycle, um, that end phase. And that's where I'm like, that's where a lot of times people feel like crap. I'm like, oh, it's such a, it's two weeks of your cycle. I was like, that's not, that's not great if you feel like crap for two weeks. two weeks every month, yeah. And so that's where I'm really passionate about. Okay, like let's, let's fix that. Like that can be fixed. You don't have to live in agony for two weeks every month. Um, you know, how can we find that balance for you? That That's so important and so useful. And honestly, whether you are a person that menstruates or not, you interact every day with somebody who does. So these things affect everyone's life, whether you menstruate, whether you used to, whether you're going to, whether you never will, right? These, this is a human issue, not just limited to a specific type of human being this is you know broadly we are all encountering these cycles every day whether we're actively experiencing them ourselves or not andrea this has been an amazing conversation i feel like i've learned so very much just about myself and about uh, ayurveda and everything you know we don't there's not a lot of talk sometimes about the menstrual cycle as if it's not something that a good chunk of the population experiences, right? So I appreciate you talking about this and being so open and sharing your knowledge with the world. If people want to know more uh, about your work, about what you do, where can they find you? How can people find out more about what you do? Yeah. I mean, my website is probably the best, which is just my name, andreaclawson.com. And I actually wrote a book last year, um, all it's called divine body wisdom. And it's all about, um, practices to do during each phase of your menstrual cycle. 
And what I am finding is I have moms who are getting it and then their teenage daughters are getting it nice. and loving it. And so I had one, one of my clients, her daughter snagged it from her and has it on display in her room. And she was like, I, I, she loves it because then her friends come over and they're like, what is this? And then they talk about the menstrual cycle. And here are some practices to do during each of the phases, during each of the seasons. And so I have it broken down into seasons. And then within the season, there's four practices for ovulation in the fall, four practices for liquor phase in the fall. And so that's a great place if you're like, how do I start to you know, mm-hmm, live mm-hmm. with my menstrual cycle? That's kind of why I wrote the book is just to have people get in tune with that. I love that. Uh, also, I'm going to recommend listeners follow Andrea on Instagram. Her, your work is beautiful there. I, I love when I open up my Instagram and there you are dancing in the woods or whatever. <laughs> um, no, it's really fun. And it is, it's very informative and educational. So we are seasonal Andrea. Is that your Instagram that handle? Correct. I was just yep. going from memory there. So there's that a possibility. Of it. Thank you. Um, seasonal Andrea. I'm going to actually just put all of this in the show notes so that people can go and check it out. It's, it's really interesting stuff. Uh, and there, I think there's a lot of depth to it that we obviously couldn't cover just today. So do go check out Andrea's book, her website, um, and let's start learning to live and thrive with these bodies that we have instead of trying to fight them and fit into a world that is steadily ignoring these natural cycles more and more, right? I think the more we can get back in tune with um, where our bodies and our minds and our souls want to be, the healthier we'll be individually. And then the healthier we'll be as a community, as a society, as a a global uh, population. So... Mm -hmm. Thank you for your time today, Andrea. This was a great conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Sarah. My pleasure. And I will talk to you again soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope that you learned as much as I did. And I hope my <laughs> I hope my side stories weren't too distracting from her message. You can connect with Andrea on her website at www.andreaclassen.com. And like I said in the interview, do follow her on Instagram at Seasonal Andrea. Of course, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Your Chakra Coach. I'd love to hear from you there. Sometimes it takes me a minute, but I do get back to everyone who reaches out because I think it's important that we have connection on this journey. Thank you, as always, for including me on your path, and I can't wait to talk again soon. Bye.